Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Truth is stranger than fiction. Life is too short to wake up in the morning with regrets. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said life would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Dr. Seuss. You know, it's not the destination or even where you emanate from that matters most. It's the grandeur of the journey and all it has to offer along the way. It was 1977. I was 20 years old and still practicing karate. After studying and training intensely, I had since been promoted to yellow belt. Karate had started to replace wrestling as my life's only saving grace at the time. I enjoyed traditional Japanese martial arts immensely. When you watched me train, it was obvious that I was driven. Neither my fellow students nor instructors could help commenting on my enthusiasm and my intensity. I was still hanging on. Then, one afternoon while I was casually hanging out at the park across from Parkside Projects, a neighborhood guy, Ronald Randolph, ran up to me. Ronald was one year ahead of me in school and had always been quite a muscular, athletic specimen. Unfortunately, though he kept his physical size, the drug-ravaged environment he lived in had reduced him to a part-time wino and part-time heroin addict. His trials as a dope fiend included being run over by a speeding truck while trying desperately to escape across the roadway after snatching and yanking on the purse of a determined woman who would not let go. He was subsequently hospitalized and remained in critical condition for some time. He has since died of a drug overdose. One can only speculate on whether he is now resting in peace. Hey, man, he screamed with more enthusiasm than I'd ever seen him exhibit before. Check it out, he continued. I just found out me and you as cousins, bruh, he screamed. I looked strangely at the excited, muscular young man with the smell of wine on his breath. I frowned in response to his comments. I had no idea what he was talking about. Yo, man, he insisted again on having my complete attention. You see that dude sitting in the car over there? Ronald asked rhetorically. I looked in the direction of his outstretched arm to see what he was ranting about. I could see a man about 75 yards away sitting half in and half out of the car. The man was sitting totally still. He was looking directly at me. That's your father, Ronald yelled excitedly. He's my cousin, Ronald yelled again with apparent pride. That makes you and me cousins, he reasoned with growing enthusiasm. My social exposure, athletic prowess, and proverbial street cred made me an appealing new cousin to have on the hook. But my heart seemed to skip a beat 
I had no way of knowing how to react to such a spontaneous and powerful thing. I was as unprepared for something like this as I could possibly be at the time. My emotions went haywire. You should come check him out, Ronald suggested. You should come meet him, he continued. My eyes were trained on this stranger and he was looking equally as piercingly at me. My entire sense of mortality was in question. Could this really be the biological father that I never knew? Was this the reason that my last name had always been different than my mother's and sister's? Could this be the person that my mother hated so much? Ronald had dropped more of a bomb on me than he could have ever known. My mind began racing too fast for me to keep up. I was still silent as Ronald continued urging me to meet the stranger. I could not bring myself to take the plunge. I had practiced being rough and tough, but apparently I was not tough enough or motivated enough to meet this man. I thought of my mother and how she would feel if I tried to establish a relationship with this man who had been absent all of my life. It was a very confusing moment. Nah, man, I said quietly to Ronald. That's all right, I added. I tried to play it all cool, but I had not even a remote idea of what to say or do at the moment. Ronald stood there with a thoroughly surprised look on his face, as if to say, What? You ain't excited? His mouth dropped open as he stared at me. I turned abruptly and walked quickly to my car. I jerked open the door, dropped myself down in the driver's seat, and snatched the heavy door closed behind me. I inserted my key into the cylinder, started the strong muscle car, and accelerated loudly, as if it was my definitive statement. I glanced over at the junior and senior cousins, took one last look at them, did a powerful burnout, and then calmly drove away. I still had no idea of what to say or do. As far as I was concerned, my father died when I was nine years old. My emotions were twisted in knots. I could feel a certain sadness come over me. I had never asked to be born. Why had I been the victim of such a confusing life? My sadness turned quickly to a purposeful anger. I had had it. Once and for all, someone is going to have to fill me in on the grim details of my birth. At that moment, I needed to know the truth. I went immediately to my Aunt Sandra, who lived nearby. I questioned her intently on the relationship between my mother and this man. Is this guy really my biological father? I asked. My aunt responded very nervously. She declined answering my questions the same way my grandmother had when I asked her many years before. Why was everybody so afraid to share the truth with me directly? You're gonna have to ask your mama about that, my aunt responded skeptically. She threw up her hands like she was under arrest. No matter what, she was not going to discuss this distinctly closed subject. That afternoon, I called my mother in North Carolina to insist that once and for all, I'd be told the truth. Was I supposed to go the rest of my life with this dark shadow over my existence? When I reached my mother that afternoon, she was surprised and happy that I'd called until I brought up the very taboo subject. 
Her voice became noticeably quiet and strained. Ma, I barked. Is this guy my father or what? I asked sternly. Yes, Roger, she answered quietly. He is. For the first time in my life, my mother began to speak to me frankly and honestly about her childhood and the events surrounding my birth. It had obviously been a very painful and difficult time for her. Supposedly, she had never been introduced to birth control and the relationship between she and my grandmother was extremely poor. Your grandmother treated me like she hated me, my mother said painfully. She called me all kinds of whores and bitches while I was pregnant with you. She told me I was no good. She would call you a bastard and would refuse to babysit if I wanted to go anywhere. She would tell me, you had the little bastard, now you take care of him. She would threaten to kick me out of her house constantly. My mother began bearing her soul, and it was obvious that I was brought into the world at a very bad time. I didn't even know I was pregnant until it was too late to do anything about it, my mother added. I was so afraid of your grandmother, I didn't dare mention any of it to her. That's how your Aunt Sandra and I became so close. She and her mother had always come to my aid when I needed someone. They seemed to be the only ones who cared about me. Your Uncle Bebop always got whatever he needed. Mama Hattie loved him. My mother punctuated. I remained silent while my mother recounted her teenage trials. When I went to court for child support, and this guy brought these other boys into court to say they slept with me. I hated him for that, my mother admitted. He knew that wasn't true. I was the only one who wound up looking like a fool, my mother lamented. I loved you so much, Roger, she insisted. But I didn't know what I was doing. People were always telling me I was foolish. I never thought I would have anybody until your father came along. I must admit, my mother conceded, at first I didn't love him, but he was the first man to take a real interest in me, my mother mourned. After the way he treated me, I didn't want anything to do with the man who called himself your father. His mother would try and get close to me, but I always refused. I didn't want anything to do with any of them. As far as I'm concerned, Bill was always your father. He loved you like his own, and you seemed to get along so well with him, too. But he really loved you, Roger. My mother insisted. He really did. My mother repeated with sincerity. And it was so strange because you two even looked alike. You could have easily been his own flesh and blood. My mother had relieved herself, and I had learned the truth. When we finished our conversation, I wasn't sure if I felt better or worse, but at least I knew the truth. I had gained some level of credence. I now had the tools to understand my mother much better, but I had a lot more work to do before I could regain some of my lost self-esteem. I was 20 years old, and it was as if my life had just begun. Nobody, including my mother, could ever know how difficult it had been for me to keep it together. Between the severe whippings I had received over the years and the alienation, combined with the illness, household chores, and delinquency, 
I had no profound sense of love and belonging. I had held on, but I really had no idea how. My job, as I saw it then, was to find a way to learn to live with myself and to live with others. It was around this time that I had a startling encounter with a ghost from the past. One afternoon, a girlfriend of mine and I were about to walk into a local grocery store. We were about 15 feet from the entrance when I heard a loud voice yelling my name. Roger Bush! Roger Bush! The voice bellowed. I looked in the direction of the voice and I saw someone who caused instant alarm inside of me. Oh no, I thought. I don't want any more trouble right now. The person behind the voice began rushing toward me. I looked at my girlfriend and sort of pushed her aside. My gesture indicated that I was about to become involved in another street fight. The huge, leather-clad man with long black hair was extremely excited. My body tensed for the fight. I had not seen this guy in a very long time. The guy was James Hawk, the same fellow that I'd beat up, chased out of high school as a freshman, and he never returned. He had gotten so big it was hard to recognize him. I dreaded it, but I was certain that I was going to have to hurt this boy right then and there. As he grew nearer to me, I realized that he was not alone. With him was a young lady who was obviously pregnant. I didn't know what was happening, but I was not going to let this fool hurt me. Suddenly, Hawk started tugging on the lady's arm, pulling her toward me. A pronounced frown came to my face. I wondered, what the hell is going on here? There he is! Hawk screamed again while looking at the young lady. When the two finally reached me, I was frozen in place, ready to rock him. Roger Bush, Hawk said again, now standing right next to me. I want you to meet my wife, he said excitedly. I don't have to tell you, I was flabbergasted. This was the last thing I expected. Honey, this is the guy I was telling you about, he said with wide-eyed excitement. His wife looked extremely indifferent as she gazed directly into my eyes. This is the guy who saved my life, Hawk announced. I was really confused now. He and I had never gotten along. How had I saved his life? I wanted to say thank you, my teenage nemesis offered. He was smiling from ear to ear. I was telling my wife about you, he continued. I told her how you kicked my ass and made me quit school. I was trying to be a badass and you straightened me out. I must admit I was in total shock. I still had not said a word as James Hawk, James Hawk continued his unusual appreciation. When I left school, he said, I signed up for vocational and technical school. Now I'm a, I'm a mechanic making super money, he continued. I'm married with a kid on the way, and I've never been happier in my life. This guy was extremely sincere. If it hadn't been for you kicking the shit out of me, he continued, I would have never straightened up. Now I look around, and all the guys we used to know, and all, and they're all of them, they're doing terrible. It took a guy like you to bring me down to size. Thanks, man, he said with an outstretched hand. With that same frown on my face, I reached to shake this large, meaty hand. 
He shook vigorously, with a weird but happy gleam in his eye. I had no idea what to say. I was outdone. This man obviously meant every word he was saying. He was oblivious to the fact that he had caught me so off guard, and he smiled like he had just won the lottery. Uh, hey, uh, no problem, I responded quietly. A few seconds later, we ended our conversation. I let him and his wife walk ahead of me. I signaled to the girl I was with, and we entered the store. She had stood on the sidelines during the conversation. Now she, too, was smiling from ear to ear. While we walked through the store, I gave her a brief rundown on James and my history. She kept shaking her head in response to the whole thing. Oh, my God, Roger. You're something else, she exclaimed. I couldn't relax until we had finally left the store. I just knew it had to be a trick. I figured Hawk must have been trying to lull me to sleep so he could try and jam me up. Apparently, his offering was genuine, though. The man was counting his blessings. It would take me years before I could really appreciate his gesture. I still had a long way to go. Now, isn't this a crazy couple of stories? While both recounts are plucked firmly from my autobiography and very true, it's just such a contrast from the man I became and the growth I achieved. So why do I present these little stories? What's the purpose of relaying these unnerving 70s adventures? Because there are young men out there in the world having so much trouble with their identity, their purpose, their direction, and their peace, that I am compelled to say to them, accept your truth. Study it. Analyze it. Understand it. And move the hell on. And that madness with the father thing? Sometimes men are already 50 years old, and they still never came to terms with the father they never knew. And because of it, they can't seem to be a good father either. Then the whole thing creates a vicious cycle. And we all just keep going round and round. I don't go round no more. And I especially don't try and fit square pegs into round holes. Man, some of the most fortunate things that I have ever encountered in my entire life were the events of challenge and change. Challenge molded me and tempered me like steel. Then change forced me to see things more clearly, accept new circumstances, and make the adjustments to get through them. I love this stuff, man. I am as grateful for the confusion as I am the clarity. And you, my brother, you, my friend, can do it too. So maybe you already know that. Maybe you don't need anybody telling you to press on. But just in case this dialogue has a positive bearing on you and adds some insight and camaraderie to your challenging existence, then cool. Either way, let's come to terms. Let's put our souls to rest. Let's make great things happen and let's move forward together. All's well that ends well. Holla.
And as last, but certainly not least, a resounding and always grateful thank you to my dear father, Mr. Willie Hamilton. When I love my sons the way I do, I always honor you in the process. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round 12. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!